welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Janita Stanton. We have Reginald Perryman, Shaka Williams, and we are Tasari. This is a There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And we have with us today our special guest, Billy Slovin from Supreme Lending. That's right. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Super happy to be here with you guys. So y'all want to know how I met Billy? I would. All right. So uh, Charles, I was looking for another loan rep, mm-hmm. and Charles was like, you ought to try out uh, Billy and Jake. I was like, who is Billy and Jake? So he introduced me, and I was like, you know, a lot of times we meet mortgage reps, and we don't really want to start working with somebody new. So Charles showed me, like, this spreadsheet of all the clients he sent to Billy, and they had, like, updates on every client he ever okay. sent. And then it was another update. And I was like, damn, that's how I do my business. So just their follow-up game. So that's why we started doing business. Oh, nice. It was all because of that follow-up spreadsheet. Yeah, so yeah. he was organized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of LOs are not. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and in the last few years with the influx of young talent into my office. <laughs> right. Both of my sons have become much more prevalent. I have another young guy and they pretty much keep track of everything so that we, I mean, I hammer on our, our leads that our, our realtor partners get us and very often we'll pre-approve somebody and bounce them back to one of our partners who's like, who's that? Mm-hmm. I'm right. like, well, he's from a year ago. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we're not perfect because, right. you know, people get sent to us and then they ghost and disappear. Right. But we try to put every single one of them in our, our system and, I'm a relentless person, and so are my guys, and right. we, we pound them. Mm-hmm. And some of them just poof, go away, whatever. But all the time, we'll have one pop back up that we, we finally fixed their credit, we finally got their docs out of them, and send them back to our partner. And, and very frequently, the answer is, right. even for organized realtors, mm-hmm. who's that? Right. So that's <laughs> a dude from a year and a half ago. Right. And we got it to work. Cool. It's great. It's great. Right. Very fun. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to hear a little bit about you and your company and how you got started. But when you do it, lean in a little bit so okay. we can hear yeah, you, you in the microphone. It's easy okay. to lean back in these okay. chairs. Yeah, very, very comfortable, comfortable chairs. <laughs> okay. So uh, how I got my start period in the business. Yeah. Okay. So here, I'm going to make it as short and sweet as I can. Uh, I was a bouncer and a DJ in a club in Farmington Hills back in 1984. Mm. All right. And... Uh, I was going to school and, and working and coaching football, and I uh, was, you know, 21 years old. Uh, bumped into a guy who, who came into the club all the time, and uh, I used to let him play little records and hang out by the DJ booth. And when I had to bounce somebody, I would let him help because he was a former country day wrestler. And okay. He really wanted to be in on the bouncer part of things. Right. So he was Wait, a, hold on, hold on. You he, were the bouncer and a DJ? Right. Well, here, it was a small club, not a huge building, very <laughs> famous place. Wait. You you want to know why that's funny? Because in '84 you were still using vinyl records. Yes, I was. So how many times did the record skip while you was kicking somebody? Well, not not too many times because I had a lieutenant. Okay. I had a dude who I would tell take over. Right. The bar wasn't huge. Okay. It was a very famous bar, McFrock's. Okay. Google it; it'll show up. It was one of Playboy magazine's top singles bars in the nation. Mm, a wow. Few years running. Okay. It was at Twelve Mile Orchard Lake at Farmington okay. Hills. Okay. Right. So I, I got a job as a bouncer there. And a couple of weeks later, the DJ called in sick, and he was boring and not very good at his job. They said, can you play records? I'm like, am I allowed to talk? They said, sure you can. 
So I said, okay, I'll play the records. I said, but I still get the help if uh, somebody's got to go, right? They're like, sure, no problem. I mean, <laughs> not a giant size bar. Yeah. So I went, became the DJ. I talked, of course. Uh, and you you put on the Gap Band, you drop the bomb on me, 18-minute version, and you can go bounce anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you know, Prince controversy, eight minutes. I had a lot of songs. <laughs> and I, when there was trouble, I'm like, okay, play this record and this record. That's 25 minutes. Mm. In that amount of time, we can get rid of anyone. Yeah. Right. So uh, this guy used to hang out. And uh, he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be around the records. And he was an older guy, you know. No, he was probably 40. Mm. Right. This, is, this is 35 <laughs> years ago, right? So one, one day he says to me, and he, you know, Billy, why why are you working here? You have a bigger future ahead of you. What do you want? What do you want to do? I said, I don't want to do anything right this minute, man. I'm 21. I'm having a good time here. Mm. This is great. I'm coaching football. He said, you need to be a salesperson. I said, where where do I need to be a salesperson, Ron? Uh, he says, well, I have a I have a mortgage company and a real estate company. Right. I said, so uh, what is your real estate company? And he says. Well, it's Century 21. I said, I don't wear yellow sport coats. <laughs> that was the thing. <laughs> Young, cocky yeah. guy, right? right? I don't wear yellow sport coats. Uh, he goes, well, go go to my mortgage company. Uh, here's a business card. I'll call, go see the guy. Give him a call, blah, blah, blah. I go there and meet him. And I'm really not here to trumpet other mortgage companies. Right. But the guy was Dan Gilbert. Mm. Right. Rock Mortgage, 12-mile mm. telegraph. And this mm. is 1985 now. I go meet him. He hires me. There's probably seven or eight people working there in total. And uh, after a very short period of time, I figured out this is for me. I right. like this job. And it was so much different back then. No social media. No processors and closers had some sort of archaic computers. I remember we got our first fax machine. <laughs> I mean, you're talking this is a different right. era. Loans had to go to committee. Mm, right. Loans had to go to committee when they were when the underwriting package was ready, the file. Mm -hmm. And you would wait while it was in committee for a day, a week, a month. So this is, you know, way back when. I worked at a couple other companies over the years, which it would take up this whole, my my, right. my journey would take <laughs> up this whole time. So we don't want to do that. Long story short, I love the business. Stayed in it. Uh, never had one break of one second or one doubt of ever staying in it. Right. And uh, have had such a great run and a great time. Just getting warmed up. Uh couple of years ago, my group, which consists of really about 40 people in a couple of different offices around the metro area, went from being a, a Mortgage One franchise to a Supreme Lending franchise, which is a large outfit out of Dallas. And uh, they are, uh, in my 36 years of experience, so much more efficient than anybody else. The back shop of a mortgage company should not be the source of grief or stress. They should be a backbone that makes things happen for you, for your clients, is quick, efficient, and concise. And that's what they are. Right. I have a question. So, yeah. Before yours, because I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Yeah. So two questions. So we always do school or no school. It's like it's becoming a thing here. Um, did you do college? Well, I did for a while. But I spent more time in the parking lot and at the bar at Chi-Chi's in Dearborn <laughs> than I did in class. I did go to college for three years, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem is, I like music. I like history. Took history of rock and roll, history, yeah. political science. But if I had to go to anything, math, science, I would just skip. Right. Wouldn't go to the things I didn't like. But, but my, on, on that, because your, your boys science. went to college. Yeah. 
your two sons work for you. And are both college and they're both mm-hmm. college Congrats. graduates. Oh yeah. I said and you coached them, right? Who is that? Jake? Jake and, and Steve. Steve. I yep. said on with Jake, I think. That's the younger one. He's right? the younger yeah. one too, yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about, you know, college and then how he decided to just, you know, I wanna come in and do the mortgage loans, and he ran the math, and he was like, "Why would I?" Because he was going for law, right? He was wanted to be a lawyer. He, went yeah. to, he had a criminal. <laughs> he did criminal justice at Grand Valley with an eye toward being an attorney, and then he figured out the math didn't work. Hmm. Okay. Wow. I mean, I told him go be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. Right. You don't have student <laughs> loans. You're educated. Go do something. He goes, well, I've been thinking about it, and our life is not so bad, so I think I'm going to be a mortgage guy. Okay. But he, he did work with me all through high school and college. That's awesome. He would come home every summer, and he was you know, he was into it. He liked it, and I guess it suited him. It's yeah. Having your sons work for you. I mean, you can trust them. It's time for it's yeah. time for you guys to meet with my boys again. Okay. Love <laughs> <Well, laughs> to. So my number number two, and then I'll and go ahead. Um when because you're you've been around long enough, when they rolled out the mandate that the LOs now have to be licensed. I started dancing and singing. Right. I was the happiest <laughs> guy of all. Because right. I wondered and, and railed about why do I have to and, and, and compete's not a fair word, but why do I have to deal with Potential clients talking to people who sell ice cream, shoes, work at a dry cleaner, being a a fake loan officer when they're not licensed. All these years, I'm telling the truth, being honest, doing things the right way. And there's all these people out there. Every time rates go down, they're jumping in. They're causing trouble. They're doing crappy subprime loans. They're wreaking havoc. So when it all came down... And they said, here's what's going to happen. Here's this. I saw pieces of the whole picture that I'm like, well, that's probably not the best way to do that. But simple fact that you had to pass a 125-question test to get the license. I was like, yeah, man, give me the test. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And it knocked out. Between the economic fallout of that era, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, people think it was 08. It started back in 05. When I started seeing seeing appraisals coming in low, 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 low. We saw what was happening. Um, Knowing that 70% of the fakers were going to get pushed out of the business. Yeah. Yeah. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. (laughs) And... People were, I, I, I even knew some actual real loan officers who weren't big producers mm-hmm. who were like, oh, I don't want to have to study and take that test. I sat down <laughs> in the back patio with my wife with a big glass of vodka, the workbook and a highlighter. She said, sweetie, don't you, and the music on, of course, because I don't ever not have the music on. She said, sweetie, don't you need some peace and quiet in the library? I said, give me the test today. Right. Give me it now. I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. The test, I was, they say, uh, you know, three hours. I went to the place where they make you get naked, give up your phone. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I got nothing on me. Right. I was out of there in like 50 minutes. That's awesome. Bing, 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 bing. Go mm-hmm. back and check your stuff. That's just the way I roll. You right. know, I move fast. Right. I, I, I remember thinking it's going to be so much easier to do our job without a bunch of people handing out bad information. Right. It wasn't that, oh, this guy might have a lower rate or this guy might have this. The 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 general population, mortgages and or realty is not what they do all day every day. So somebody who's not totally honest and is just throwing it out there right. back in those days, 
They wreaked havoc. They, they misled right. a lot of people. How do you think so many people got into so many bad loans and all this bad stuff happened? It wasn't from good guys that are still in the business. It's the right. people who were just out trying to That's true. make that. It was, done, it was perpetrated by crooks and charlatans. Right. Yeah, okay. makes sense. Because <laughs> we're still seeing some of that now, like even in real estate. Any, yeah. Anytime the market is extremely good, mm -hmm. You start seeing people get in it that mm -hmm. probably wouldn't normally be in a business, sure. right? We're so everybody want a piece of it, mm -hmm. right? I said the fakers, the people that exactly, and they're not in it for the right reasons. They're in it for a fast buck. If you're in it for a fast buck, yeah. and let's face it, we're all on commission, right? I like to make the money, right? But I'm in it to lead people in the right direction, take care of people, and. Yeah. Making money or some amount on a transaction is nothing compared to having somebody trust you and refer all their friends and relatives and so exactly. on to you. It's a whole different focus. Right. And one thing, too, I noticed, like, with Billy, like, anytime somebody on my team writes an offer, mm -hmm. Billy will call the listing agent. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're good. You're working with Billy, yeah, right. right? So when I see his name on my listings, I'm like, okay, I know the loan is good. Now mm -hmm. let's focus on the offer part. Right. So that makes a, a huge difference. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So what? go ahead. No. You want to get into some of these questions I that do. buyers need to know? So yes. we just did basically like this um, episode where we did, you know, some rundown for the buyers. But, you know, we're mostly in here kind of just chit-chatting back and forth. So we're so happy that you're here. Because you're going to, you know, present some facts, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You tell me which ones you want, and I'll give them to you. But credit. I want to talk about credit criteria and okay. how important it is. Um, you know, not like the hard scores, but, you know, those scores that you know when you see it, uh, you know, you're going to get an automatic acceptance and we can move forward. So that doesn't have to be an 800, but it doesn't no. have to be a 500 either. Correct. Okay, <laughs> right. so... To take it back a little bit, back in 08 or 09, you see, for the first many, many years, scores really weren't the thing. Okay. They would look at a credit okay. report. This is probably pre-2000, okay. into the early 2000s. Right. They looked at the credit. There wasn't FICO scores on a credit report that were mandatory criteria for loan approvals. They would look at their credit history because... The underwriting wasn't done automated back then. That only started in the late, late 90s, early 2000s, automated underwriting, which had to pick up a score. So as the 2000s proceeded, the scores became more of a benchmark of what loans got through and what loans didn't. Uh, when the world melted down in, pick your year, 06, 7, 8, there came a time where they said, okay, Anything under 640, done. Yep. Doesn't matter. Don't care what your excuse is, what your reason is. 640, hard, fast. Mm -hmm. uh, FHA or conventional, to get a conventional approval with a 640 back then, you had to be putting 10, 15, 20% down, have reserves, meaning money left over in the bank. In uh, FHA, your file was just automatically dead under 640, middle credit score. Let's emphasize. Credit right. score. The credit score doesn't strictly mean uh, TransUnion, Experian, Equifax. It is right. the middle one numerically. Mm -hmm. Client emailed me today and said, which of my three scores needs to be, uh, is operative? Which of these three companies? I said, it's mm -hmm. not the companies. It's which one is numerically the middle of the three. 
So, uh, as time went by past the meltdown, things got a little more loosened up, I guess we should say. And there's uh, criteria that's that's best put is on a sliding scale. Somebody says, what's the minimum credit score? Okay, well, the minimum credit score on an FHA per HUD is 580. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, will a 580 get approved? Not unless they have money. Not (laughs) unless they have money. They have to have, number one, a 580 has got to be a result of old crimes. Hmm. It can't be the last six car payments were late. Right. Because that's not going to make it through the audit. It's still got to go through the automated underwriting. Right. So when you say a result of past, so so past um, uh, delinquencies or something, like maybe that was two years ago, yes. something that brought their score Old down. things that they right. did that haven't healed, wounds that haven't healed all the way yet. Right. But yet things are not past due anymore. Right. I just got recently somebody with like a 590, 588 approved, but they had their own down payment. Right. And they had eighty grand in a four hundred one k. So maybe somebody' credit was beat up, say two years yes. ago. And um, something yes. happened; their score dropped below five eighty. Yes, it may increase to five eighty, but they got some money. But they've been current in the past twelve months. They've been current everything. in the last twelve months. Okay. They have job stability. Right. They work at Ford. They work at Chrysler. They have some money in right. a four hundred one k. They have a bank account with enough money for their three and a half percent. Uh, there's got to be some good things about the file to get a low score like that through. Right. When people come to you and they have a 580, if they want down payment assistance, if they're if they're just trying to squeak it, it's not going to work. Right. So, but in that um, credit score range, the lower tier, is that uh, automatic approval? Not automatic. It's not automatic unless... The computer picks up positive aspects about the file. Okay. Savings pattern, job stability, debt to income ratio that's not pushing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now if, if all those things are the reverse, now are you talk is that manual underwriting? You can't get a manual at five eighty. You probably can't get them each company has their own rules at what level they'll do a manual. Okay. Most right. companies don't want to do a manual under six twenty. Mm. So okay. in other words, so some, the so okay. so the six twenty is your like sweet spot it won't go through automated underwriting but yet there's good things about it you you input it you run it through you run it through computer doesn't like it if you're 620 and have positive things you can point out to an underwriter a manual may work for you it's not super common right what underwriter wants to sign that so it sounds like um (laughs) the lower the score the more skin in the game the buyer needs yes and the, the cleaner their file has to be maybe in the past 12 months. Yes. So they can't get all the incentives that a buyer maybe with like a 640, 700 yeah. would get. Even 620, there are down payment assistance products that we have that begin at 620. Right. But you can't have any lates in the last 12 months, especially for that 620 to 640 range. Okay. So it's... So basically, if the credit score is here, then you're going to have to use a lot more of your own of money. Your own money. Yes. So most of those, like um, down payment assistance, the zero down programs, yes. or any of those incentive programs, 
you still need a higher credit score. Yes. Maybe 640 or better. Yes. The, for it uh, to kind of work. Yes. Okay. The We have a product that begins at 620. They get down payment assistance, can have no lates in the last 12 months. And if they pay their payment on time for three years, the down payment assistance, which is 3.5% of the sales price, equivalent to an FHA down payment, mm-hmm. is forgiven. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Right. Next benchmark, 640, mm-hmm. same uh, forgivable 3.5% down payment, uh, but some other better rates, the higher, you know, uh, risk based pricing. The higher the credit score, mm-hmm. the lower the rate. Right. Uh, the state of Michigan, their Mishta product, which we happen to be knowledgeable on and do quite a bit of, their 640. No exceptions for their FHA version of their down payment assistance product that people hear a lot about. $10,000 in many zip codes. Right. uh, $7,500 in other zip codes. Uh, And then over $700, you can do a conventional Mishta, which is a very good product. We probably did two of them today. But again, to get a conventional Mishta, Computer's got to really like you. Yeah. The 700 is not the only criteria. It's, that's the ballpark in which you have to be. And that is a very important product because people who want the down payment assistance who want a condo. And as we know, oh, yeah. Yeah. a needle yeah. in a haystack is a condo that's yes. kept their FHA certification. Right. So you have to do conventional, which means uh, they got to have over 700. And even though they're going to get that down payment assistance, they have to have some money. Can you? I want to translate that. I want to. Yeah, yeah, that condo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. can you explain yes, quickly why uh, condo FHA or conventional? Because yes. we see a lot this of condos. Is a huge, huge. Thing. And, I and make they so won't accept FHA. And we try to break them up front. Right. Yes. We we tell them when we pre-approve people, this is not for a condo mm-hmm. unless. Uh, your agent can do a needle in a haystack, which is what right. it exactly is. Okay, so. Condos. Condos are unique and different in their financing because there is an association and and a homeowners association and and a management company and there's insurance, there's fidelity bond for bond uh, board members stealing, there's a budget for mandated repairs, uh, there's so much deep paperwork regarding condos that back and we keep going back to the same time era right in 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 2004 5 6 prior to 2004 5 6 condo boards condo associations kept up their paperwork with hud mm-hmm. and and when i look back at my old database my old files we did tons of condos fha back in 86 88 92 2004 whatever it was we did them all the time but when the meltdown came, for for a couple reasons, I'm guessing, so many of the associations stopped keeping their paperwork up to date with HUD. Right. Now, I'm sure some was a function of a skeletal crew running their associations. Mm-hmm. Some was a fun- function of budget constraints. Some was probably, and I've I've thought about this a lot over the years, is that some of it was probably... They thought well, we don't want FHA buyers in our complex. Yeah, probably a combination. I think of it's both. a combination of all those above. And then because when you... the perception 
that an FHA loan is for somebody who doesn't have a lot of money. Right. And that is a very, that's like a, no yes. That's a bad stigma, too. It's, exactly. It yeah. is. That's not true. Too, I know why a lot of those HOAs, too, because they were they make their money off of collecting association yes. dues. But if you had a lot of foreclosures in an association, mm-hmm. those dues were past due. They yes. were collected because the banks yes. paid them at closing. Right. But if you had somebody six or eight months behind, if you had 10 out of 30. Their budget's messed up. Yeah, their budget's messed up. So they can't keep up with all the right. FHA requirements. So what happened was you ceased to be able to do most condo purchases using an FHA loan. So so many times I make sure when, when the when the condo word is mentioned by my agents, by the buyers, I say, well, send me. The legal description, because it's not just an address. You have to be able to look it up properly on the HUD website, which I never leave that to anybody but ourselves because we... I always look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. But think about how many condos you see on the listing. It says FHA, cash, mm-hmm. conventional. You right. have to Where look you know there's no chance it is. So my brother looks it up. I get him the legal, and he's like, expired in 99. Mm. Right. <laughs> expired in 04. <laughs> expired in... 2010, whatever it happens to be, then you break the heart. Yeah. But right. you didn't break the heart after they got an appraisal mm-hmm. or an inspection yeah. and wasted money, which we see so much of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people need to And be then sometimes the listing agent um, is trying to fight for that to get back on the approved list. And it's like, okay, well, wait till you get that done. You do it. You got to do it. <laughs> now, my company, Crazy as it sounds, has a condo team mm. in Dallas. It's a whole department. And they've got some complexes back on board. But not in the form of a spot approval when you're in a PA. Yeah. Right. It's exactly. when, when you have a realtor who, for some reason or other, has a few in there. Right. And has communication with a, uh, the management company and put them together with our condo people. And between them, they can reapprove a complex. But to get in a PA and then say, oh, geez, let's do a spot approval everybody's going to hate each other at the end yes. of the transaction because it's right. going to take 12 weeks and then it may not work because ultimately mm-hmm. they didn't carry enough insurance. Right. They didn't have enough fidelity bond insurance. They didn't have enough uh, money put away for the roof right. to get redone. And you're so, talking about the association not having enough yes. money. Yes. Side. So when a buyer pays their uh, monthly association dues, part of that is going into reserves for insurance mm-hmm. and repair future repairs. Yeah, improvement. And, you know, so many of them are light on that. Right. My condo team helped this one company just upgrade their insurance. And we were able to do some loans in in the particular complex. Sweet. But not inside of a PA. Mm. Yeah. Especially now. Mm -hmm. Right. Who's hanging around for all that, right? Right. So it kind of pushes you to, you you really need to, I've had clients say, okay, well, tell me what I got to do because I don't want a house. Mm. So I do the credit simulation. I say, here's your steps. Come back in four months. They come back in four or six months. They're conventional and they get a condo. Mm. Some people are not buying a house because they can't take care of one. Yeah. Uh, So we've seen that happen before. And uh, this may be a good time to transition into other loan products, other reasons why somebody has to go conventional or FHA, if I may. Yeah. So let's talk about student loans. Okay. Am I jumping your script? (laughs) No, no, no. <laughs> because because we do it need ties to together. Yep. Okay. These things kind of tie together. That's okay, right. so if you want to buy a condo, pretty much you're going to need to go conventional. 
If you owe $365,000 in student loans, <laughs> pretty much you're going to need to go conventional. Why is that? Okay. Right. So student loans. Student loans play a gigantic part in whether you can get approved for a loan, how much you can get approved for in a loan. And the popular misconception among people is, well, my loans are in deferment. My loans are in forbearance. Okay. None of these things matter to Mr. Fannie Mae, Mr. Freddie Mac, or Mr. FHA. Mm -hmm. They don't matter. Well, they're going to get forgiven. This is not a thing. This is not <laughs> related to the mortgage world. Right. One day may it be, but as of now, no. So let's just say you're a buyer who is has a FHA level credit score scenario. Often people go FHA because you're right. going to have a 55% debt to income ratio versus a conventional program, which is going to have you between 45 and 50. Mm -hmm. So sometimes somebody with an 800 credit score might get an FHA. Mm -hmm. Let's just kind of throw that one out there. Right. The Got allowable debt to income ratio is 55%. And if you have a really good file, I've seen them go over. So yeah. in, in layman's terms, somebody getting an FHA loan may qualify for more. Mm -hmm. Because of the debt to income yes, ratio, because it's more than they would on a conventional. Yes, fifty-five percent, right? Versus of your of your gross monthly income for housing and, and bills versus conventional. You know, three percent down, which is you know equivalent to kind of three and a half on an FHA. Right, you're not getting the computer to go much over forty-five on a conventional. Right, so you're talking a delta there. Yeah, they can buy more. So right. sometimes. Your FHA, I try telling the listing agents when I call on the offers, my FHA buyer is better than the other cat's mm. uh, uh, conventional yeah. buyer, believe me, and my pre-approval's thorough. Theirs is not. Right. <laughs> and he didn't call you this Sunday night like right. I did. Right. <laughs> so moving on, moving on this, back to the student loans. So student loans, uh, A, no matter what, they are going to have to be factored in to the debt-to-income ratio, FHA side, conventional side. So how were they factored in? Um, up until April of this past year, we had to take student loan balance, whether it's seven thousand or three hundred sixty-five thousand, or Angela had which we seen. Angela yeah. had a lady with six hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, six hundred thousand. Yeah, that's four houses, and, and no chance this lady's ever going to pay them. Right. It was you know whatever. So. We had to count 1% of the balance mm -hmm. in the debt-to-income ratio. So when was this? Up until April. Okay, go ahead. Of 21. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, of course, you know, that's it's not always a deal killer, but, it, you know, it's yeah, it's a, lot. a significant impediment. Uh, it's a big car payment. It's a Mercedes payment. It's or, or more, you know. Another mortgage. Mm -hmm. It's another house. You have, you have another, It's like having another house there. So in April, HUD came out with a change that just chopped it in half. Yeah. 0.5%, bringing a ton Beautiful. of people back into yes. the game. It really right. helped. When that came out, I was thinking about one of my clients that I closed about a year ago. And I'm like, if this had been out, we wouldn't have had to do, because she had like 230000 in student loans or something like that. Jeez. And so what we had to do was call the student loan company <laughs> 12 times to get them to give you the payment reduced. The income-based repayment? But yeah. that is only allowable. <clears throat> only usable on a conventional loan. Now, I don't know what, I don't know the transaction, <laughs> but I, I do know that on the conventional side, 
uh, we have the client call the student loan servicer and ask them to put their loans into income-based repayment and, and provide a document which somebody with $300,000 of student loans could have a $120 payment. Mm -hmm. And on the conventional side, we can use that. On the FHA side, we're not able to use that. So how did I close Still all those FHA percent. deals doing that? I don't know. Okay, we'll Is that later. a lender or a FHA? <laughs> is that the difference between one company to the next or you know, is that an FHA? I've, student loans have only been like a very prevalent thing, I would say, in the last three companies I worked for. Okay. Which would be Supreme Lending. Mortgage one and capital right. mortgage. Right. The rule was the same throughout. So okay. maybe there is somebody out there who's able to use a income-based repayment on an FHA, but I've not come across it. Okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So, so oh. but no, I was just I was just more so commenting to how if that point five if it was reduced, you know, we wouldn't have to go through all that headache. Because yes. every time you have to call yes. Nevian or whomever you get, you know, they, they just don't give you what you need and those documents have to be written a certain way. What you were, what you're saying now, Johnny, that kind of rings a bell because there is situations where on the FHA side, the half percent or the 1% rule doesn't have to be what's counted if the payment that they will now report on the credit report is a fully amortizing payment, which yes. is getting a little bit deep for right. yes. regular normal people okay, getting more into so it. That if, if there's... If the payment that shows on the credit report is equal, the same as like a mortgage or a car would show, right? Instead of there's a line ordinarily, mm -hmm. right. all that shows on credit reports, student loans on the payment section is a line, mm -hmm. little dash. That means forever, forever. Because just like on your, yes. on, on your, <laughs> that um, means forever on your exactly. gravestone, you know when you go to the cemetery, it's you're born, yes. then it's dash. a dash. Yeah. And we'll That's see. what the student loan <laughs> yes. is telling you. So it's like. Um, nine, 19, graduated 91, then dash. dash. That's what just through long. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's probably, they were probably reporting a payment that was probably lower than the 1% rule would have been. So if somebody had like say 30,000 and that, that payment was adjusted, but it was going to pay off over the next 200 years or so, yes. it would say that yes. and they would pay yes. on it. Yes. And, and you can would, use that yes. payment. Yes. But if it just had 30000 payment no adjusted, and then it just yes. had a dash, yes. yeah. That's All exactly right. right. Yep. Many yeah. of your grandkids might owe it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to be over time. So it normally looks like over 322 months. So it has to right. have an Something end date. Exactly. It has yeah. to have an end date. Yeah, it has so to have if an someone adjusts adjust their payment, it has to have an end date, basically. Yes. All right. Yes. Cool. Okay. All right. So, I want to ask a question real quick about... So conventional FHA, we talked about listing agents, right? So a lot of times we'll show a property and they saying it's only conventional only. And we like this property in good shape. Why are you not accepting FHA? Can you explain from the seller side, explaining to sellers, what's the biggest difference between accepting an FHA and conventional offer? Okay, so really it's incumbent on the listing agent to educate their seller that right. unless they have hanging wires right broken railings significant heaving cement or their house is way overpriced any of those things right kind of different categories but those are the reasons why you may be hesitant to take an fha offer otherwise right. there is none if you right. have you know i and I, I tell the listing agents all the time is it a good house mm-hmm 
did you comp it out before you listed it? Right. Is there wires hanging? Is there broken cement? Is there missing railings, health and safety? No. Then you absolutely want to take this offer, especially if it's the uh, in the running numerically with the others and you get me. Mm-hmm. Because I actually process the pre-approval and it's real and it's going to close. There's no reason not to take an FHA offer if it's a good house. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of bouncing back to well, let me let me ask this too because you said health and safety. So whether it's an FHA or conventional offer on the seller side, if they're health and safety issues, conventional loans are going to pick flag that up anyway. anyway. Mm-hmm. They're going to flag it anyway. They may they may get over the crack cement, right? And they may get over the peeling paint, right? On the conventional side, but. Right. Conventional or FHA, they're going to flag the wires sticking yeah. out of the wall, the railing not on the deck mm-hmm. that yep. the child could fall off of. They're going to flag it. That's exactly what we just way. had at a um, conventional flag. It was stairs. There were brick stairs, and they were, you know, they needed to be redone. And they're so gonna, conventional, conventional is going to nail that, too. They did. Because I've, I've had sellers say, um, oh, I thought this was a conventional loan. I, I shouldn't have to do any repairs. It's not, it's like, not 89 anymore. It's, yeah, it's still health and safety. Yes. That you still got to comply with. On an FHA, you may get nicked for an older roof. Where on a conventional, probably not, unless there's obvious leaks. The age of the roof, they're not going to beat the you up. Three on to two, five year. Yeah, they're not going to. Right. On a conventional, they're probably not going to focus on that unless something's obvious. Right. But old is not going to be the killer. Right. Now, uh, the one thing that some listing agents probably mention to their sellers is that let's just say somebody's overpricing a house, which as we know over the last, you know, period of time, there's been quite a bit of that seems to be dying off a bit now, but you list the house for a ridiculous number and you accept an FHA offer and they bring it in low. Should anybody else come try to buy that house in the next six months? That value sticks right for six months. So, so the, but FHA the appraisal stays yes, with the property. It's yes, not a conventional; it doesn't. Yeah, a new buyer would get a new yeah, appraisal, and it still could deal. come in low, anyways. Right, but the, these are not the best agents who practice this kind of stuff. Right, right. Fakers. Well, sometimes it's the seller. The seller you're telling the seller, "Hey, your house is worth between one ninety eight and two hundred five and the seller's like, "I want two ten." And you're like, at 210, you might have a shot because a buyer may pay the difference. But when they start seeing 225, 230, it's like, why bother? Yeah. Right. And you'd be better off pricing yeah. it so better what, and letting them yep. bid it up to pay the cash. And, yeah. 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 Yep. Um, yep. Much better strategy. Yeah. Right. I want to uh, go back to, well, I want to explain what DTI, what goes into DTI. Okay. Let's, uh, DTI, which is a, a term that was never said. <laughs> Prior to 2005, there was debt to income ratio, but no one ever threw the DTI out there until the right. mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Uh, this is the phrase that came about uh, uh, back then, but debt to income ratio, proposed house payment plus car payment, student loan payment, credit card minimums. Divided into gross monthly income. Okay? Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> proposed house payment. Mm-hmm. I wish I had my post-it board. Plus, I can recreate this for you anytime you want. <laughs> Car payment. 
student loan payment, uh, minimum payments on credit cards equals X divided into gross monthly income, not net, gross. Now, these numbers have fluidly changed over the years. When I started in the industry, 28 and 36, there was a housing ratio, yeah. housing plus debts ratio. Yeah. And it was 28%. Your housing could not go over 28% of your gross monthly income. Your housing plus debts could not exceed 36% of your gross monthly income. Back then, I saw loans that had a 37% debt-to-income ratio go away to die, very sadly. <laughs> um, FHA, that was on the conventional side. FHA was 29 and 41. Mm. Okay? So these, these benchmarks were really pre-automated underwriting benchmarks. Uh, VA was 41, one ratio. There wasn't a separate housing ratio versus de debts added to it. Calculated. There's right. VA is still weird like that, though, Very when it comes weird. to the debts. Like, yes. you can almost be at 70%. You would think they would end. standardize <laughs> FHA and VA. You'd think they'd be yeah. standardized, but they're no. not. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. Um, so, in the 2000s, when automated underwriting first came about, loans could get through with a 70% debt-to-income ratio. Crazy, crazy stuff. And that would be one with, you know, a lot of reserves. Mm-hmm. Other good at high credit, good aspects to the file. Yeah. But I am curious to know. So going back to the VA a little bit, because um, I do want to talk about that. So we know that you know people like to use that because you don't have to put any money down. Do they have a um, a minimal vested like Mishta does? Well, yes. Well, not exactly. On a VA, if you right. can get the seller to cover the closing costs and the prepaids, and the veteran has full entitlement and can do zero down you could do a va conceivably with zero out of your pocket not like a one percent gotcha. rule that mishta has right it would have to be in a kind of a different market than we're in now or a house that's been on the market for a while i've seen va people come with nothing get okay. their emd back at the closing yeah va is automatically zero, zero down, down if you just... have full entitlement if you've not used it before right or have paid back all your previous mortgages that you had right. zero down but people don't realize we run into this all the time i'm doing a va loan right now that they went rogue and didn't listen to the realtor and go to me right the loan officer told them you don't need anything <laughs> then they needed six thousand mm. dollars right so mm. then they came to me and i switched them from a va to a Supreme Dream zero down payment FHA product of ours that allows you to buy up the interest rate from three point seven five to four and a half, but they give him four thousand mm -hmm. dollars, right? Which brought his amount to close into the range of what he had. Where the other lender who didn't ever give him a worksheet, no, no worksheet, right? No worksheet. Worksheet says payment amount to bring the closing, the two numbers that matter. Mm -hmm. All the rest, the interest rate, the sales price, the loan amount, those are fodder for cocktail parties. Mm -hmm. Those numbers don't mean anything. They're abstract. Right. Two numbers matter. What's the monthly payment? How much do I have to bring? Yeah. Right. Nobody goes to the trouble of, of making sure the people have these two important figures hammered into their brain. Mm -hmm. So this guy thought he was buying a house. Wasn't buying any house. 
was very unhappy. The loan officer disappeared. He went on vacation. He changed company. You know, me here every, oh, day. That, yeah, every day. Yeah. I switched him to a different product with no down payment, forgivable. So he'll have equity. Mm, That's right. a diff much different thing. And again, I bought the interest rate up, which he didn't care. His debt to income ratio is not an issue. Mm -hmm. right. Gave him four grand, which made his five grand that he has on earth to spend toward the house, got him to the goal line, mm -hmm. nine grand, because it's property taxes, right? closing costs, homeowner's insurance policy, that nobody seems to, the schlocky lenders, what they do is <laughs> say, well, you, you, you'll get a concession. Right. Who's going really? to get a right concession now? now? Right. <laughs> so it sounds like, so he's paying a little bit more interest, but he's bringing less money in up front. And, and he didn't care that his payment $60 right. more. He's, he cared about the four or $5,000 that he didn't have. Uh, right. Hold on. I, I want to uh, explain to them what that means, buying the... Oh, I'm payment. sorry. Yes. Okay. So it's it's kind of a deep discussion, and I've tried to explain to some loan officers over the years. <laughs> okay. But let's just say for an example... Uh, and this is this is also if you ever hear the phrase no cost refinance. Right. A true no cost refinance is when the lender can get you four percent and charge you twenty eight hundred in closing costs, but instead of that, he charges you four and a quarter or four and three eighths. Right. That extra quarter to three eighths, depending upon your loan size, garners back more money that the loan officer, an honest one, will give to the client to pay their closing costs, which is that concept is a, is a no closing cost refinance. Some companies out there take your 200 loan, make it for 207, tell right. you, yeah, nothing out of pocket. It's a no cost loan. It's not a no cost loan. Right. It's a full cost loan that you just raised up your mortgage balance mm -hmm. tremendously. What Chaka's question is, so on this particular program, if the people have $3,500 for their closing costs. For example, they get 3.75. Just, I don't know if that's the rate today or not, but it's the concept. So, but they don't have money and they need money. Right. So we can buy up the rate, increase the interest rate, very same concept as on right. the refinance, and give them a lender credit that they do not owe back and cover that delta that they're short in, in this case you know four or five thousand dollars right so in other words they're paying a higher rate yep they're bringing less to the table so either they can either have their own money and get the lower rate mm -hmm. or they can pay a higher rate and come with less or no money it's just like leasing right. a car you want the escalade with a 699 payment you bring seven thousand dollars to the dealership right or you pay the eleven hundred dollar payment Sign and drive. Right. Mm -hmm. Same exact yeah. concept. Right. Uh, so with the VA, do you have any explanation as to why sometimes those, that front debt ratio can be really high sometimes? Is it just, it likes it or it doesn't? It likes it or it doesn't. It's an automated thing. It's very, very uncommon to do a VA with a manual. It's it's always automated underwriting. Mm -hmm. and it, it depends on, first of all, VA only has one ratio. Uh, housing plus debts. They don't have a gotcha. housing and then a housing plus car payments, a separate one. So the front ratio or the, the can go higher Maybe on that, a VA. That's, okay. That's a good explanation, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. I got, an, I got a question going back to the, so you said the honest, so I do mortgages. Uh, I was an associate mortgage broker. Okay. 
back in oh five, <clears throat> six okay. and seven, right? So why wouldn't because now there so back then you could charge almost whatever you wanted to charge on the front and the back, right? That's where licensing yes. came from. So, <laughs> so yeah. I know. But now you can only uh you there your now your commission is set, it's Dodd Frank. Correct. LO comp rules mm -hmm. and you set your commission. You can't oh, charge any it, it all goes through a portal. Mm -hmm. so, so why won't so with that being said, yes. even if you're a dishonest uh loan officer, why why don't loan officers buy up the rate more? I often? do. Here, here, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. In a declining rate market, like we were in for a very long time, particularly last year. Mm -hmm. Somebody would come to me, they'd buy a house 4%, mm -hmm. pay their closing costs, let's say. Mm -hmm. Or I would tell them, hey, do four and a quarter. I'll pay all your closing costs for you and you keep your 3500 right. your whatever your dollar mm -hmm. figure is. After they made six payments, I would call them up and say, hey, it's three and seven eighths, an eighth lower than you would have got paying the closing costs. Mm -hmm. And at three and seven eighths, you can go from four and a quarter or four and three eighths down to three and seven eighths. I'll pay all your closing costs again, and we'll do it for twenty nine years instead of thirty. Mm. Right. And their loan and your loan balance will decline, not go up. Mm. And I'll show you the worksheet. Mm -hmm. Here's your payoff, your days of interest. Why wouldn't they? They don't know. They well, they don't know. No. They're they're not smart. Myself. And a partner of mine who I worked together with in 1991, and we still work together, mm -hmm. another loan officer. Way back then, we were sitting in the office, it's 1990, and we're looking at these rate sheets. Because back in the old days, interest rate pricing wasn't done through a portal. Mm -hmm. right. It was, you got faxes from the different companies you sold loans to. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at these faxes, and we're looking at the pricing that the banks give us. And... He said, you know, we could charge these people 6% and they would pay 2200 in closing costs. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be better to charge them six and a half, pay all their closing costs, and when rates go down, okay. we'll bring them down. Mm -hmm. But we are not scammers. We'll actually pay all their closing costs. Right. And on each succeeding loan, the balance is lower. So we're not adding anything in, mm -hmm. hiding anything. Here's what it is. Right. Here's a closing statement from last time. Lender credit covering all the closing costs. Mm -hmm. So for many years, I always would offer the people the option. Mm -hmm. well, you, the smart you people. Up, well, you brought up a good point too, because when you said we was talking about bringing less money, having a higher rate mm -hmm. or having your own money and getting a lower rate. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of loan reps are not even explaining those options. They're just they saying, know. this is what you're well, getting. Well, that's because they don't know. I don't think they, they know. Don't is that, so my question, that's not always available. Not necessarily. Yeah. Depends on the pricing and how it's working right. out. Right. And the buyer. And the buyer and the situation. Right. Now it's right. not as applicable on purchases okay because there's not always a rate buy-up exactly because right. the the rate buy-ups are heavily tied into credit scoring mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. okay right so, so gotta be a... yeah it's the 740 people right mm. that there's more to give because it's risk risk-based pricing mm -hmm. right. and the higher the score the better the pricing and giving it back to the people and lowering their interest rate without 
adding anything into their loan balance right. is very attractive to consumers. And and I'm talking now on the refinance side a little okay. bit more. But, I mean, I've got so many people who call me, email me, send me their relatives saying, Billy, I retired early because of you. Right. Uh, you took me from a 6% 30-year when I built my house in Canton in 88 to a 5.5% 25-year to a 5% 20-year right. to a 4.5% 15-year then into a 10 year and I was out of, I was out of a mortgage so much earlier because you always got a hold of me right. showed me how I can lower my year so I'm taking years off mm. I'm not adding to their loan balance I'm not giving them as low of a rate as if they paid 3 grand it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. right so okay. if you can go from 5 to 4 and not pay any closing costs but I really could have got you 3 and 3 quarters and charged you 3 grand who wants to do that Right. I'd rather have four with nothing than three and three quarters with three grand added to my balance. Right. Okay. So strategically sitting there with your loan officer's best friend, the Hewlett Packard HP 12C, which real <laughs> loan officers use. Right. We financial planned for so many people and hooked them up. And these are people who are smart at math. These are engineers at the big three and, and, right. and Johnson Controls and Lear. And they're like, Oh my God, that's the greatest idea ever. And then six of their coworkers call you. <laughs> so you so you have to have so with buyers, they need to really have a financial plan. Because some some buyers, they're like, I'm just gonna ride this thing out for 30 years. I just want the lower mm -hmm. rate. And I'll pay the extra few thousand up front. But then if you have something to compare it to, it may make sense to take the higher rate if you're gonna plan yes. to do those refinances later. Reductions. So yeah. it it just makes sense from the buyer side to sit down with your loan rep and ask questions and have somebody that can educate you. And so many of them that, you know, that became my clients over the years, you know, they knew that I was right. looking for their best interest, wanted their friends and relatives loans. I wasn't going to, I'm not trying to hammer anybody. I'm in it for the long, long haul. You're right. not getting rich off of one deal. Never. You, but you can get rich off a village of people when they all trust you. And you can do a whole subdivision of people. Correct. Or a whole office full of people. Yeah. You right. know? Um, now, I had guys who said, well, no, keep putting me back in the 30 because I'm going to invest the difference in my 401k. And I'd say, giddy up. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll okay. do, we'll do no cost as well, mm -hmm. but we'll keep it at 30. And some guys did it that way. Right. And some of them said, I got to have this house paid off. So I have less. When I go to retire, my retirement from Chrysler is going to be X. I want to get mortgage free. So whatever their ice cream flavor was that they wanted, I showed them the right way to do it. And there's, there's always a good way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, these different options are not always available. Market conditions, yeah. credit scoring, equity position. There's factors. And what it comes down to is somebody who does my job the right way. Right. As Jake has learned how to do now, we're teaching Steve Crush's purchases. Right. He doesn't know the intricacies of all these refis, but that's not what he works on. Right. Mm -hmm. My brother has been doing, working with me for 31 years. He's a refinance expert. He can come up with any idea under the sun. Jake is on every single refi transaction. He's coming across so many of them now because right. of four years, five years of turning in his own loans. You sit down and, and, and you look at it and, and, and you're not, and I'm not going to pick on the names of any companies or people who advertise a lot or any, that's not my, right. what I'm saying, but 
you have to take pride in your work. You have to sit down with a pencil, a, a pen, and the correct calculator and look at it and then lay things out for people and say, hey, this, this is what you might want to think about doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's why. At least let them know they have options. Yes. Bare Can, minimum, right? Yeah. I got a question. I want to kind of change courses a little bit. So we talked about like the zero down VA, yep. a little bit of Mishta and FHA. So some of these programs are based for owner-occupants only, most of them, right? All of them. So let's say, because we have a lot of times, we'll have a client, and for whatever reason, maybe grandma or their parents want to add their name to title in case something happens yep. to them. How does that affect or impact the buyer that's buying, but they already have their name on title to another property? Well, Because there's a lot of first Only on the Mishnahs. Okay, on Mishta. Mishta, if okay. you got your title on your grandma's house for right. her, for succession, if something, you're out. Okay. doesn't matter unless I've had a couple of exceptions where I was able to prove that they never, ever lived at the house. Okay. And getting that done is rare because most of them did. Right. Mm-hmm. You come across one that truly never lived there right. and you were, was only put on because there was no other family member that could have been. I've got a couple of those through. Okay. Now, in terms of all of my zero down and in-house down payment assistance programs, none of them right. require you to be a first-time buyer. Okay. So you could even be in title of another house. Right. And we could still work through it. Cool. But the Mish does. Not to pick on the agency because I do a lot of work with them, but, I mean, they are hyper-stringent and the finest fine print can trip you up. Right. So, people, this is just a perfect testament for, like I tell every client, the more you tell me, the more I can help. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when this house that you're on pops up hey, re- repeat, a month later. Repeat mm-hmm. that again because we were just talking about, yeah. like, yes. gotta give just all like you are with an attorney. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to say it. I, I tell them I'm not the mortgage police. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, you know, I'm not working at XYZ <laughs> Bank looking to go, eh, 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 you're out. Right. I'm here to coach you. Right. The more you tell me, the more I can help you. Be honest, transparent, and upfront with me, and I'll come up with a solution to your scenario. Right. But when you don't tell me things and things pop up after you spent 500 on an inspection, 500 on a uh, <laughs> appraisal, right. and all of a sudden we have a problem, remember you didn't. Disclose, right. all, disclose the all the information, which we need. Holding things back from me or from you right. does not help anybody. Right. So when we talk about credit, like people have blemishes on their credit, there's a lot of people out here pitching credit repair, mm-hmm. right? But you guys, as the lender, good lenders should be able to help you get yes. your credit together for mortgage purposes. Well, right? that's, that's a good thing to bring up. So people say, can you help me fix my credit? I said, well, we can't help you get deletions of, of accounts. We can't fix your last six months in a row of late car payments. Right. What we can do is run your credit report through a credit simulator software. Right. And tell you what level to bring your revolving accounts surgically to get the most points available. Not just saying, Oh, pay off all your credit cards. Mm -hmm. No, bring them down this card down to this, this card down to this. So we can guide them and coach them, which we do more than frequently. Right. Uh, I'd say on 30% of our files, we right. credit coach them. But credit repair, where you use the Fair Credit Reporting Acts, and, and, and there's 8 million realtors out there who have this fake sideline of credit right. repair. Right. 
Not us. We don't do no, that. You guys, I was of course not. No, 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 no. I know. And I you, sell by and invest. That's it. Right. So, you, but you have these agents who do it, and they want you to refer them people. But the problem is, I'm not going to refer you somebody that a different need to refer to me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one issue. Right. Number two. Are you really going to fix something? What, you're right. going to send a bunch of fat letters using the Fair Credit Reporting Act and hope that somebody doesn't get back to you within a certain amount of days. You're gonna... None of this stuff is real. Right. It's all it's all fake. Bottom line is... You just say it with Shaka says. He always say, none of this real. That's what none I've been the whole real. time I've been right. sitting it's here. I'm like, Billy, Billy and Shaka on the same. None of it's real. It's silly. <laughs> okay, so here. Bring your revolving down to here. Right. Bring this one here. Go open up a Sears card or a, a secured credit card. Uh, get put on your your. You know your, Sears. Your card is closed. Nine really kills Sears me. Card. I love no. Sears <laughs> but, so much. Wait, real quick. So when you say bring your <clears throat> revolving down, you your mean utilization? So if they have a ten thousand dollar card and they then got three a grand 000, or below, three. So like thirty percent. Thirty percent is the magic number. If you keep your revolving thirty percent or below, and I always, I just, right. I just hate to say the word lie. I lie to people and tell them twenty five, right? Mm-hmm. And I do it because you know, so, they're yeah. just like telling people, yeah, we start at five thirty, but we mm-hmm. start at six. You know, I, I was making sure you were on time. Loan, I'm yeah. saying, I'll t- ten dollars. <laughs> I always fudge it. Yeah, I say twenty five percent. So if you got like a you six thousand dollar uh, max on your credit card. And maybe they're at five thousand. You're going to tell them to pay it. It's hurting their points so bad, right? So we tell them, you know, get it twenty five percent. You know, thirty percent, twenty five percent. Use it though, right? Because you need flow. You know, you need to turn on the sinks and run the water, or it's going to get gummed up. If you want points, you have to have activity. So we tell them, you know, bring your balances down to here. Uh, Open up this and that, depending on the person's situation. Open up a secured card. Right. Charge. Charge a tank gas, pay it off. Charge a tank gas, pay it off. Right. One of the biggest boosts to people's credit is getting put on somebody's card as an authorized user, which really helps. Uh, You get report card points as long as they pay on time and keep it under 30%. And the older the account, the the longer it's been around, the better, more established. Now, sometimes... Tricky things happen. It backfires. Well, today we have a client who's uh, got an authorized user account, and, right. and we're having them pay off debt at closing to qualify, which you actually can do. Right. So we've got her paying off a couple credit cards at closing. Uh, so we asked for updated credit card statements. Well, on the one account, she's an authorized user, and there's a very large payment. Right. So we have to, we can exclude it, but we have to get the most recent statement, like call the credit card company, have them fax or send it to you right now and get it right. to exclude the debt. Right. Well, of course, like every other buyer, they <laughs> whine and complain about having to provide documents. Right. And we had to tell the nice lady that, listen, you got on this account to improve your credit, right. but they have a $350 monthly minimum. Right. That's going in your debt to income ratio unless you provide their statement. Right. So these things can, I, I shouldn't say backfire, but yeah, it's one more layer of work that you have to do, but you weren't having a credit score to qualify you had you not done it. Right. And you're not getting the house unless you provide the statement. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So is there ever a time when someone say they have a $5,000 balance on a $6,000 loan and maybe they got you know, $10,000 needed to close. Have you ever told them to 
pay down a credit card and we'll figure out your closing costs. So they're using some of their money saved for closing yeah. costs well, to pay that debt down. I try to do that before they get into the PA. Okay. Mm. Right. That's pre-PA. That's pre Pre-purchase agreement. Pre-approval. Pre-letter. That's pre-letter going out. Yeah. Right. Like if we have that scenario, you know, Rob or Steve or, or Richie or right. Jake are going to say, well, this account's got to go down to here. And, and, and the reason for it would be score. Right. So we got to fix the score yep. before we're handing out the letter. Right. So really you're not going to run into too many of those. And, and they say, well, that's going to leave me not enough money to buy. Then you got to say, well, we're not going to run into that with you, but, but in life, yes, 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 yeah, yes, that does happen. And you know, there's solutions to it, but not always, Mm. not every time. So so basically what it sounds like a buyer should come to their mortgage rep, a good mortgage rep and say, Hey, here's everything I I got. Here's the BS I got on my credit, my income. I had a bankruptcy four years ago. I divorced, this happened, yes. and tell it all and let you fix it. Yes, and here's the thing. We get referrals from our realtor partners. And the stronger realtors mm-hmm. tell them what you just said. Mm-hmm. The moving too fast for their own feet and, and, and other types of agents will send us somebody who... We, they'll fill out the app, we'll analyze it, we'll request the docs, they'll send half of them or a quarter or a third in photos, which size 72 <laughs> font it says, right. no photos. Go back and forth with them a few times. The realtor will call us up right. indignant. Why isn't so-and-so pre-approved yet? They're very frustrated with you. And I have to say, well, I'm frustrated with them because they're wasting my time not getting me everything I need to do this right. Well, they've decided right. to make other arrangements. I said, well, okay. Yeah, but they're going to get okay. the same result if they okay. piece it together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, we got a big one. Uh, do we have time to talk about one huge thing we didn't talk about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely need to talk about that. Self-employed? You know yeah. That? Let's, yeah, let's talk oh, about self-employed. Yeah. What are you talking about? Y'all already talked about it before the show started. No, no we can do that later. Yeah, yeah. I want to cover self-employment and the FHA 90-day, 180-day oh, yeah. okay. rule. Okay. For so let's, let's do self-employed first. Right. So self-employed, pre-meltdown, and now again, there are programs, I'll call them niche programs, non-agency, mm-hmm. non-Fannie, non-Freddie, non-FHA, right. non-QM, not qualified mortgages, where self-employeds don't have to meet the guidelines. Right. I don't do those. Okay. Supreme has them. Right. Many companies didn't have them, including most nobody had them between 08 and 14, four, 14 right. Yeah. Right. Programs where self-employed can provide bank statements and show their monthly deposits, but not have to provide tax returns. Now, I don't do those because some of them may work and some of them may not. Right. They don't work the same way Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA loans work, in which you provide your 19, your 20, 
tax return, your 21 year-to-date profit and loss, the three of them are added together, the bottom line, not the top line, after right. you subtracted everything and did your write-offs, to add the three together, divide it by 24 months, 30 months, whatever it is, and that's your number to qualify. Right. And now you're just a regular old buyer like everybody else right. who gets the best rates, depending on your credit score, gets run through automated underwriting and closes without without tragedy and drama. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, when self-employed people come to you, you know, some lenders just want to write up a deal and they don't okay. care what the carnage is. <laughs> we, and sometimes it may not be popular, we say, well, this is, we're going to need this. And during COVID, the heat of COVID was even more stringent. Right. But, and because we would have to get business bank statements too. But self-employed, you need two years of tax returns and a year-to-date profit and loss. Right. The year-to-date profit and loss is their pay stub showing a year-to-date earnings. Mm -hmm. Right. If they don't have those, I gently, politely tell them, I'm sorry, but I don't have a program for you. Mm -hmm. Because right. the percentage of those that close using those niche non-QM programs, right. it couldn't be over 30%. Wow. Mm -hmm. okay. So I stay away from it, you know, and hey. You're talking about state income. I understand. Commit, yeah, stated income, bank statement programs, mm -hmm. all, all of those. There's tons of them. We mm -hmm. have them. Mm -hmm. But they don't, you know, they're not run through the same portal. Gotcha. They're not processed by the same processors. Mm -hmm. They may go to an outside a, a bank who, mm -hmm. who does them with higher risk, higher rates. Mm -hmm. But we're a high-volume operation. I'm not looking right. for my processors to quit. Right. So I'm not giving them drama files. Right. Right. And right. and I'm going to give you, Angela, Shanika, a, a pre-approval letter that I hope closes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not doing he, that. He's talking about it's, it's what, what, close. I, what I've been complaining about. So I've been telling Shaka, like, you know, it's been since probably 2006 or seven that I've worked with like a bro and I know you're a broker, but what I We're not a uh, broker. direct lender. Okay. We're a direct lender. So that I work with brokers and that I work with um, you know, like the non qualifying yeah, type mortgages. And I'm yep. not saying that they don't close. I'm just saying, uh since you, you know two thousand you gotta have more roll aids twelve or thirteen, clothes. I've just only been doing like what you just <laughs> said, you provide this, that and the third, you get your That's eight years, Janita. It's eight years. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a lot of time. Is but your then, life and better? then when you try yeah, it is. And when I put something up on my board, so I have a little board and I put it up there, I know it's gonna close. Yes. You know what I mean? See, I don't I I having done this for so long, I've dipped my toes in the water in pre in back right. years and yeah, we'll try this program. Yeah. Not in really long years though. I can't do ifs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think bottom line, we want to close our sellers and our buyers. But this is a lesson, <laughs> though. So you can either have a niche; it may have a lower percentage rate yeah. of closing, but you may have to do a whole lot of them mm -hmm. to see what sticks. But what Billy is saying is, he has so much business, he gets to choose not to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, down in the weeds. and he rather yeah. he rather close <laughs> to deals that have a ninety to ninety five percent chance of closing versus 100%. a thirty. And people now, who do those, right? generally are burnt out <laughs> and there's that and you know what all my business comes from well of course past clients affinity base but right realtors who trust me and count on me right so why would i to do four extra loans a month mm -hmm. do something that's a roll of the dice i i, I could never mm -hmm. think of yeah. doing it it's better to say no i'm sorry i can't help you i'm sure there's somebody is out there that can right. but 
I go with the high percentage, not for any reason other than I don't have the expectation. You, you can't control the outcome. Right. You can't run them through automated underwriting. There's not W-2s, pay stubs. There's right. shenanigans on tax returns. And, and the bottom line is you got to pay to play. Yeah. You have yeah. to pay the taxes because the government's given other mortgages. Right. Private bank products are, are, are what does those those programs. And you know what? There's withholding on my on my pay stubs. I pay a lot of taxes. I think people should pay taxes. And I get why self-employed people do what they do and, and, and write-offs within boundaries. Right. But people who just don't show any income, I'm, I'm not doing those ones. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> they write everything. So we are yeah. getting put out. <laughs> yeah. So one last question because we got to cover something for our investors. So you're buying a home to flip it and you want to resell it. So you, but you're selling it, and there's an FHA requirement. Yes. So what's that timeline? Okay, so on, on the seller side, right. because we, the mortgages that we do, right, the people have to keep for six payments. Right. We can't do the short, short-term financing. Right. Six payments is the minimum. But so say I'm trying to get somebody an FHA loan, and I've got three or four of these going on right now, right. where the property changed hands, August twenty-fifth. Right. Whatever mm -hmm. it is. So that, that just means that the, the owner didn't own the property for... Correct. And it doesn't matter if they, you they know... They just bought it or... You yeah, know, they put it in their LLC, they yeah, sold it... They acquired to it them in, in their, August. Yes. Okay. Right. So you have to count forward 91 days right? Mm -hmm. until you can write a purchase agreement on that house using FHA financing. If it's conventional, you can do it tomorrow. Yeah. Right. But FHA, but it never you is. can't even, mm -hmm. it doesn't even qualify FHA before the 90 91st day. Yeah. Right. On the 91st day, which I, today was the 91st day for one of my transactions. Right. Got the PA today. Mm -hmm. I, we've been working on it and coaching it up. And the 91st day, you can write the PA, turn in the file, mm -hmm. or the FHA case number. Right. Or the two, two appraisals. appraisals. <laughs> two appraisals. Buyer and pays for one, seller buyer pays, pays for, for one, the, seller pays seller for one. Seller must pay for the second, right? Buyer can't. And Cannot. Right. You know, once in a while, the lender can if it's a big loan. Yeah. Right. If there's money in the transaction. Yeah. Right. Or if they do tons of loans with the realtor, which right. they may not care. You know. Right. And that's under 180 days. Under 180. That, with the two uh, yeah, the 180 is the cutoff where you don't have to do the second appraisal anymore. Yeah. Right. All right. Very common. So 91 days, 91 days and 180 days. Are 91 two days, yep. two appraisals. You take the lower of the two appraisals. You take the lower of the two. Yep. Right. Right, which we talked and about. Sticks. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And, and it sticks. sticks. And, and it sticks for six, six months. months. Yeah. And, and at the 181st day, you no longer need two appraisals. Right. Great. All and right. That rule, it shouldn't be so obscure, but I guess just too many lenders and even agents. Just... Right. And there's some more in that because you don't have to do the two appraisals under 180 days if the sale is not more than what, 150? 100% or 110% of what you purchased it for or something like that? Uh, I think you always have to do the two. But I, I'm a, to my knowledge, you always have to do two. Yeah, the 90, between 90 and 180. Yeah, between yeah. 90 and 180. Yes. So, so and that go, that applies to even if a property changes hands. Because I see people, they're like, oh, I'm going to deed the property to my daughter and then she's going to sell it. And I'm like, no, don't do then that. You start right. the clock ticking again. Yeah, you start the clock ticking. Yeah. So whoever name is in currently... Yeah. Don't change ownership Don't change anything. in order to sell it. Yeah. And basically, you, Janita, Charles, and Chuck are the ones who know that. Right. 
<laughs> nobody yeah. else knows but or cares. We but nobody else knows or cares. But those yeah. are FAJ. They got right. FAJ. Right. So yeah, on the conventional it, side, the conventional side, you can you can, you can do it. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But it never is. Right. Yeah. Right. But it never is. I think right. we've learned over the last couple of episodes that this topic is just you know we have to we have to continue to have it because we have we have so much to cover. Right. Right. And so we we appreciate you coming. Oh, that's and pleasure. we need to know how we can find you and contact you. Okay, so I'll make sure you have all my contact info. You I know, know you I have it in have my it. phone. <laughs> we got to like to hear from you more often. Okay. We got to say so, it for the listeners. Okay, wanna... so for the listeners here. Uh, the first thing I'm going to give you is my cell phone, which Reggie will attest. Uh, actual cell phone? I aggressively uh, answer. This going on it. YouTube now. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. so hey. <laughs> Call Coach Billy. Call me up. 248-535-0465 or text me. You can also email me at coachbilly at billyslobin.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-B-I-L-L-Y at B-I-L-L-Y-S-L-O-B-I-N.com. Uh, <laughs> You're on Facebook, right? Yeah. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I am on uh, Instagram, but I don't use it. Um, and, uh, we're happy to help you. We can refer you to an outstanding realtor partner so that right. you don't get in the clutches of somebody's aunt who does it part-time because you don't want to do that. In mm -hmm. this market that we're in right now, it's imperative that you have a professional team on your side. Right. All right. And last thing, speaking of team. So when Billy said he used to coach, he still coaches and you coach your sons. I coached. Well, and I you coached, coached some some NFL I've, I've players coached, too. Yes, so. I, so I coached at Farmington Hills Harrison from 1986, 85 right. through 2019, when the school closed. Um, during those years, we won eleven of our thirteen state championships. I'm actually right. was and and am the strength and conditioning coach now. I'm the strength and conditioning coach at North Farmington High School. In those years. I was fortunate enough to coach, you know, many, many, many great young men. Uh, won a state championship, one of our state championships in 2010 with right. both of my sons on the team, uh, both Jake and Steve. Uh, also, super blessed to have coached several NFL players. Drew Stanton, right. who just retired, uh, his last season was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they won the mm -hmm. Super Bowl last year. Mm. Uh, let's see, Michael Ojemudia plays for played for me. He plays for the Broncos currently. Khalid Kareem plays for the Cincinnati Bengals currently. Right. Uh, retired guy, uh, Devin Funches, uh, is in the NFL still. He played for me. Uh, Chris Roberson, eight years in the league, played for me. Nick Williams, 10 right. years in the league, played for me. Uh, and uh, Mill Coleman played for me. Several, several others. And now the whole coaching staff is coaching at North Farmington High School, a couple of miles away. Right. And... Uh, it's a blessing to have got to spend my whole life, right. uh, you know, working with young kids and uh, trying to save society one kid at a time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for having me here. We got a lot more to cover, so I'll come back. Oh, yes. yes. Definitely. Definitely. If All I'm right. invited, I'll come Absolutely. back. All right. All right. Thank All you. All right. Thank you.